0: This is our uh, 715 um, extended edition. So 715 is our midweek refresh service. We have a service every single week, but this whole month and really for a little bit after this month, we have an opportunity to dive deeper. Into what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. We're in a series called "Love Sick," and so we have an opportunity to talk about all things relationships. We believe that we have the value of relationship. We know it's important, but some way or another, we've lost the vision for it. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know where they're supposed to go. We don't know the goal. And so this series is designed to help us take a deep dive, a deeper look at the things that make us lovesick and take a real look at love. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to have an opportunity to talk with a few amazing uh, couples and we're going to have an opportunity to take q and a Q&A from you guys. So whether you're in the room or watching online, There's going to be a slide, and there's a Slido Q&A format. So you're going to be able to ask questions live, and we're going to be able to answer them. So during this entire night, I want you to take out your phones, text uh, any questions you have via the um, information on the screen behind me, or if you're watching online in front of you, and let's get ready. Would you lean in with us as we're about to engage in this conversation? So would you guys welcome Pastor AJ, Pastor Mark, and Miss Debbie to the stage? Hello. Welcome to 715, Love Sick, extended edition. Great job, Pastor Tellus. Thanks, Pastor AJ. You're the best. Halfway, I threw it to you guys so I could Sitting sit down. in this chair. I know. Exactly. So Take the okay. attention off me and then yep. put it, great, perfect. Camera We're cuts here, here. cuts back. Um, <laughs> what I want to do tonight, uh, you preached an amazing message. on Wasn't Pastor AJ's message awesome on Sunday? Fire. Really good message. Um, it's not you, it's me. Um, and before, we're going to have questions about marriage. That's why we have you guys here. Super, super excited to ask questions um, about this whole topic. And I want to get to know you guys a little bit before we do that. This is going to kind of be focused on you guys because I am single, no ring. So we're going to focus on you guys. Yeah, to prove it? Like. <laughs> <laughs> what I have to I prove? promise you. Yeah, guys, I look. I you there's I'm no ring. i like, lying on, on stage. Man. Why? Why would I do that? And so – I'm gonna be asking y'all questions, all right? right. And so I'm gonna, for you guys, everyone asking questions, I'm pretty much gonna be like your middleman between the questions you've always wanted to ask married people. I'm gonna ask you guys. Right. So just ask them all in the Slido, and that's what we're gonna take this opportunity to do. But before we do that, I wanna to get to know you guys real quick. So I just have pretty much one simple, or maybe it's a two part question. One, how long have y'all been married? And then two, I know Michelle can't be here. We miss you, Michelle. Okay. Love you. One, how long have you been married? And then two, we know what your first dance song was at your wedding. But Pastor Mark and Miss Debbie, what was the first dance song you guys danced to at your wedding? That's the question I have for you guys. How long have you been married and what was your first dance song?
1: I have so many <laughs> unnecessary jokes.
0: Um, I was going to say it was the national anthem when it was written.
1: <laughs> that's Sorry. You're like, um, that's my dance. I love and honor and respect my Love elders. them. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go first. Yeah, so uh, Michelle and I, Michelle's home uh, with the kiddos tonight. She really wanted to be here. We tried to make it work. She's very sad. She couldn't be here. But uh, we'll be doing a panel at the Marriage Ministry event in March March 12th. So if you want to hear from my wife, please come to that. Um, we've been married for 12 years, uh, coming up on 13 this June. And we have three children, a uh, 5-year-old Logan, 3-year-old Levi, and a 1-year-old Judah. And, yeah, our first dance was Stay With You by John Legend, as we talked about on Sunday. Yes, it was. It's great. It's beautiful. Great one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let Deb answer this.
3: Okay. We've been married almost 45 years.
1: Hello.
2: (laughs) Looks like it's going to work out.
3: I I used to know people, my parents' friends were married that long, and now I'm one of them. So, um, but we didn't didn't dance. So we had no first dance.
2: Yeah, we were very religious back then. Right.
3: We did the holy hop, I guess. No. Probably we, the
2: holy hop. That was did. probably it. Can you um, please
0: demo the holy hop uh, for us? <laughs> I
2: really want to see well, it. Well, that's the one, you know, when, when people just kind of hop up hop and up down, up. you know. and.
3: No, we didn't have music at our reception.
0: But... Uh, we, if you could. If you could pick one first dance song...
2: What would you want your first dance song? I'm going to be
3: let to. you because oh you know me.
2: Oh my goodness! You know, th- I would date myself so badly if <laughs> I, I name a song. Lean into it, do it. <laughs> um, at our, uh, I think, what was our wedding anniversary when we were in, when I took you to Alexandria? What was that? What that year was, was that? The tenth. That was the tenth, and I, I thought we'd been married a long time at that point in time, but I played. I had a, I, I'd gone in earlier and I'd set up a, a cassette player. Some of y'all know what those are. And I played the song uh, through the years, and uh, a, don't know that song. I know, I know, <laughs> because by the lack of reaction, song, we don't know what you're right. talking about. That song let's was all say lost. All together. It's lost through the years. it was lost, through the, it was lost right. through the years. But anyway, it, it basically, you know, and, I, and and I played that, and we we kind of had some tears. But I think what we'll do is to make up for our lack of dance at our wedding. The next one of our kids, we have two uh, single um, grown children. And we're hoping that at least one, maybe both will get married. Uh, we're going to, we're, we're going to dance. We'll dance at that yeah, one. And dance we'll, at their we'll, weddings. We'll, we'll there we we'll Perfect. Perfect. I I'll off. work on that. <laughs> exactly. To
0: bring out the holy hop. What we're going to do is we're going to take the rest of this night.
2: I, I'm going to get you to holy hop before this night's over. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take out. If I were to holy hop, I'm afraid I might hurt something. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to hobble out. The holy hop might break that holy hip. (laughs) (laughs)
0: This is getting off track so fast. You're in charge. I know. I'm so sorry. I was in charge last
1: week. You're in charge
0: this week. Here we go. What we're going to do is I want to to highlight your message on Sunday because it was really, really good. Thanks. And there is so much content we could talk about with marriage, right? Like I'm sure that you had things and things and pages and pages to talk about. And similar to last week, I want to know if you could have added one more thing into the message last week that you didn't have time to add in. What was that one thing that you wish you could have added but you left out of if it's not you, it's me?
1: Yeah, when I was talking to you during the week with the message I had, um, probably like 10 minutes worth of, to me, really interesting like statistics and and data and stuff. And I was like, this is so good. It's so interesting. And then as I was like working with it and trying to make it like not 10 minutes of the message, I was like, I don't know that anybody cares. And I could probably just say this in one sentence on Sunday, uh, which is what I ended up doing. But Um, the original kind of premise um, to set the message up was just the idea that there's a huge discrepancy between common assumptions our culture has about marriage and what the data would actually say that backs it up. And even though that data is there and available, these assumptions still persist. So for example, um, there's an assumption that most marriages are unhappy and you could you know see why people would say that if if it 's true that half of marriages end in divorce, certainly some of those other half that stick together are unhappy, so probably most marriages are unhappy. Um, but the data would tell you that sixty two percent of marriages say they 're very happy, very happy, so the majority would say they 're actually very happy, so that 's an interesting one. Um, I think there 's a common assumption that living together with your partner before marriage is a great way to find a spouse. Um, because you kind of get to see the experience and feel it out, find out if you're compatible with this work when we live together. But the data would tell you that if you live together before marriage, you're more likely to get divorced. And the earlier intimacy is introduced into a relationship, the more likely that relationship is to end. So that's like, that's just data. That's just yeah. facts, right? That's not even like oh, I'm going my Bible. That's just the facts of people studying this. That is the problem. Mm. And yet we hear all the time, like, well, it's not a problem to live together before marriage. Mm. And well. You might not think that, mm. but how many of us in relationship at that phase just have rose-colored glasses and just go like, I want to do the thing that feels good to me wow. or makes sense to me. I don't care about what you have to say. And you go like, well, I would just say that's a dangerous approach to bring into marriage, certainly. Mm. Um, and I think the other, oh, the other stat I was just going to say was uh, two-thirds of marriages that are unhappy now, if they would stay together for five years, those 66% of those marriages say they're happy. <laughs> and so I just... To me, I just go like, that shows me that seasons ha- come and go in marriage. And there's n- nobody in life that says, I'm happy every year of my life. Every year's a great year. Every month is a great month. I've never had any problems. And what I think matters more to people is not somebody who can make me happy all the time. I don't know that that person exists, but somebody who can faithfully commit to me for my life. And even when we have a hard time, I know that person's not leaving. Yeah. And you give that some time and space you're going to see that joy return and those seasons will end and they'll come and go. Wow. And that to me was such a compelling thought to the testimony of faithful, of faithfulness that's and covenant in yeah. marriage.
0: Yeah. Pastor Mark and Miss Debbie, after being married for 45 years, when you hear messages on marriage and specifically this one, are you like, amen, that's great. Yes. Great. Do you agree with them? Are you for them? If you could add something or maybe even comment on Pastor AJ's message, how did you guys take in that message as you were listening and watching to it?
3: I thought it was great. I really liked it. I was taking notes, <clears throat> and a couple things really stood out to me, and then also kind of convicted me because, you know, you there you will always have room for growth, always. And you'll always think, man, I'm not doing that, you know, and I really need to. So uh, we have to be, you know, honest, right? But one thing that really stood out to me was that, A.J. talked about unexpressed educa- um, expectations and unknown expectations in f- as far as communicating together goes. It's so, so important for us to be able to talk to each other. And I don't know. I mean, there's been many times when I've been upset about something, and sometimes for a long time. And if I would just talk to Mark about it. Not at it, me,
1: though. No.
3: <laughs> if i would just it doesn't necessarily mean i was upset with him about something that he did or didn't do sometimes just something in in the business of life that you live together and all the things that have you have to do and stuff like that but um if i would just talk to him about it i would find out what what was expected you know or what i was expecting bring truth into the situation so most of the time, my anxiety is is uh, gotten rid of pretty quick when I just open my mouth.
2: Mm, Excellent. <laughs> That's me. Well, I too love the message, and no, we never stop learning. And you know, uh, after forty five years of marriage, we're still working at it. We're still growing. I think that we've probably grown more the last few years than we ever have in all the years we've been married. Uh, life never becomes automatic. Christianity never becomes automatic it, it's it 's a I feel the same I did when I was twenty years old, uh, except you know physically i don 't feel the same. <laughs> I tell people I feel like a young man, but with something terribly wrong with him and um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so but i I thought the message was fabulous, and I especially loved uh, the description of the modern expectations of marriage, which puts an, an insurmountable weight upon people's expectations of a, of a potential spouse, whether it's the husband or the wife uh, or the male or the female. And I thought that uh, A.J. did an absolutely brilliant job of just, and he went through both. And he said, you're looking for that person. And he went through that. And it was, uh, it was just absolutely wonderful because uh, after you know, 45 years of marriage counseling, others of counseling marriages, how many people come with these expectations? And when you think about it, when you listen to radio 24-7, it's, you know, now that I found you, you know, I'm complete. Now that I found you, I'm, you know, you're everything I was looking for. Uh, And how long does that last? And uh, so, you know, people come with these expectations. And I thought he did a brilliant job of saying, hey, you know, you're going to have a human being right. on the other end of this.
1: Right. Yeah, I think um, I don't want to come across as like a, a a grouch, right? When I'm talking about the honeymoon phase, right? And even when you're just desc- when I was describing, you know, what culture says you ought to look for in a spouse, like. The devil in culture is so sneaky, right? He's not going to bang you over the head with something that sounds obviously wrong. Because you would sniff that out and you would go like, no, that's obviously wrong. I wouldn't. I don't want that. That's, that's bad. He's, he's, he's going to tell you something that sounds good and sounds right. And that's where we need to use wisdom and discernment to go, well, what does God say? Because when I say, you know, you want to find someone who loves you just the way you are and doesn't want to change you, there's a part of us that goes like, what's wrong with that? Well, the only thing that's wrong with that is that person doesn't exist, is what's wrong with that. And so we can spend our whole lives desiring something that's not there. But we all want other people to change a little bit. And that's not even an unhealthy thing. That's the part of marriage that's sanctification that is for the personal growth and development. And there's nothing wrong with the honeymoon phase and the joy and the electricity and the excitement. I think what we're trying to say is there's a deeper form of love on the other side of that. And we can say the honeymoon phase, don't say that's bad. Don't say that's wrong. Like, why, why, why do Christians hate fun, right? And I'm not, like, I love the honeymoon phase. I committed to Michelle. We're going to live in the honeymoon phase forever. I will never come out of that. That is my promise to you, and I'm working hard at that. It, but, you know, some successes, some failures. But there's a deeper form of love that we're in. And in 12 years of marriage, even though now with three little rugrats running around and ministry and all of that, we may spend less time together, the expression of love between us is deeper, richer, and better than the honeymoon phase, which was its own beautiful, lovely thing. But if you just try to build, it's like trying to build a diet off of cotton candy. You know what I mean? It's just not going to last. There's a better
0: form and a better thing for you so as when I hear things like this honeymoon phase and don't live in the honeymoon phase and rose colored glasses and feelings and all these things, they come with this sense. And I had a conversation recently where somebody literally mentioned they were so excited about getting married. And then it was met with somebody who had been recently married. And their first response was marriage is so hard. (laughs) And I was like, why would you say that to them? Like, for real, I really I, I thought I was like, why are you taking the air out of this person's right, balloon right. and sobering them up? And so I almost feel a little bit like that's happening now. And so I'm like, what is it when you say... <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I'm being serious. <laughs> um, what is it? When people say, like, marriage is so hard and, like, yeah. don't live for the honeymoon phase, like, real life is going to hit you. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, what happens... What is so hard? Why is everyone laughing at me? These are the people. people The married people are laughing. The married people are like, if you only knew.
1: If you only knew But like when
0: you get to that point, right? Like what maybe here's the best way of saying it. What was the thing that was so unexpected that made marriage that sobered you up? That said, oh, there's something beyond just the feeling. This
1: person didn't do everything I wanted them to do the way I wanted them to do it all of the time. Right? What if I don't think I'm that selfish? you're lying to yourself (laughs) and that's easy, but, but just, you know, base level, right? Yeah. Right. Like I want to do things this way. Well, we should do them that way. No. (laughs) Who bends to who? I don't know. I mean, it's little stuff, right? But I said this last week. I always love to say this because I think it's, I think we should all write this cement this in your brain. I hate when people say marriage is hard because I think all of life is hard. Name one thing about life that's not hard. That's what I am saying. Being single is hard. Having kids is hard. Getting a new job is hard. Waking up in the morning is hard. Working out is hard. Having friends is hard. It's all hard. So stop picking on marriage. Right. I don't think that's fair. Right. I agree. Right? right? Yeah. So the same thing that's hard about having a friendship where my friend doesn't want doesn't to do, you know, my friend won't talk to me because I said some, whatever, is the same thing in marriage. But it's just a different because I think in marriage there's no filter now, right? Your friend might just ignore you and walk away and you'd be like, I don't know. I think they're mad at me, but they'll get over it. Now you go to bed with your wife and you wake up with your wife and you go downstairs, you get breakfast with your wife. And then it's like, you just, they're there all the time. And so you have to then confront it, which means you have to humble yourself. That's hard. And then you have to have a dialogue where you have to express your feelings. That's hard. You have to offer forgiveness. That's hard. you got to ask for forgiveness. That's hard. But it gets easier with time because you build trust. And that's a part of the place we're at in marriage now after 12 years. We're really good at conflict. We're really good at arguments. We're really good at forgiveness. I'm not afraid of... We did this today. Something happened today. And I just knew I was like, I could be stubborn and I could be, you know, rude and I could just be defensive. But I just immediately was like, I lost track of time, and I was not paying attention, and I'm very sorry. Yeah. I will do better. Yeah, And she immediately forgives me, and we're done with that. Argument over a day, fine. You know what I mean?
0: Right. We're better now, but you've got to do the hard work to get there. Yeah. And we're about to jump into some questions, too, but did you guys want to comment on that at all?
2: Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I want to say, uh, and I thought uh, Pastor Tellus made a very, very good point there because it did sound, sound kind of dour, but um, Debbie and I have had not just one honeymoon but a number. Uh, you you if you do the hard stuff if you if you are committed, then over time you will fall in love again and again, yeah, That's and right. there are times yeah. that you know i 've just looked at her and I said, "Why in the world did you marry me i mean you know uh you know you 're amazing and what you know and um, but it comes and those feelings come and go because life is multifaceted you know you have hard times, you have difficulties, you have children, you have Uh, times when you're doing well financially and with me uh, a lot of time when you're not doing well financially and uh, I never had the gift of uh, gathering uh, very well and uh, so so, but she hung in there with me you know so
3: So, (laughs) so honeymoons are great and I think that we really need them honeymoon times are great in our life we really need them it's like when in in the uh, in the kingdom, you know when we have a big conference here at Grace Covenant, everybody gets built up, that's kind of like a honeymoon. I mean it's a it's a time when everybody's happy, it's a time when you make it really encouraged and it's the same thing in your relationship. God knows we need that. He used to have Israel come together for their feast days, a certain prescribed time every year, and a number of them, because we need that fellowship. So don't, I mean, I think if you're aiming to have a honeymoon the the rest of your married life, go for it. You know, I think it's awesome. Oh. But, you know, life happens. So, but the sad times don't have to mean you're not in a honeymoon phase. Yeah. You can realize through your tears or anxieties or whatever that you love this person more than ever. Fair. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great.
1: You know. I just, last thought before you switch, it's just... One of the themes of the, mes- of the series is we want to do more relationship prepare than relationship repair. And when I do premarital prep with couples, I teach them the steps of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I say, and I make them do examples of it, right? And I say, do this on the little silly things. Practice this so it becomes a part of your vocabulary. Because one day, one of you will do something very selfish and very foolish. And you don't want to have to figure out then how to forgive each other. You want to have a rhythm in your life where you do that now. So stop leaving your wet towel on the bed. I'm sorry. That was selfish of me. Please forgive me. Come on, that seems so rote. That seems so, like you know, but why do you want to do that? Because later you don't want to have to figure out how to do it. You want to know how to do it now and have a culture in your marriage and in your household, whereby we know the language of forgiveness. We know the steps of forgiveness,
0: and we're used to giving and receiving freely. That's great. That's great. When, and we have some questions that kind of touch on similar things. How do you know that somebody is like in this person's words, divinely placed in your life to be married? So when it comes to preparation for marriage, getting married, finding that person, how do you know that that's the right person for you to marry?
2: Well, that's that's a challenge. Uh, I think God speaks to all of us differently. You know, uh, he communicates. And uh, the, the art of communicating is knowing the person you're trying to communicate with. And so there's no one-size-fits-all. Uh, but it does take two to tango. And uh, if 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 one person says, well, I know God's called me to marry this person, and the other person doesn't feel the same, you could be wrong. That's a, that's, that's a good indicator. You could might be, be wrong. wrong. Yeah. Um, so wise. Yeah, and, uh, you know, <laughs> our, our uh, coming together was really unique, and, and I think all of them are. I think every couple comes together in a unique way. But I came to just really know and believe, you know, that this, as much as you can in faith, that this was the gal for me, and um And Deb had done the same thing, and we had other people involved and prayed with us about it and um we went about it in a fairly deliberate way, but uh it wasn't like we just ran from opposite ends of a field you know with hair, with wind blowing you know, and then we came together uh, <laughs> we had uh We had some prayer and and some counsel involved as well
3: i think it's it's also it's extremely the most important thing is that. For believers, obviously, is to have your relationship with God primary in your, in your life. To say, God, I want to please you regardless of whether I'm married, whether I'm not married. I, if you send me a spouse, I'm, I mean, that's great. But you're the goal.
2: You're and you had prayed that before we met, right?
3: Oh, yeah, specifically. I mean, I wanted to serve God, and I wanted to marry someone who was going to love and put God first, and in my case, be in ministry of some sort. I really felt like that was the call in my life, and that's what I wanted. But not everybody is that way. But as far as being a believer, if you trust God and are just waiting on him— for his will in your life about everything, you can trust him for this too. That's great. So,
0: so good. That's great. That's so good. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Another question was actually about your message, Pastor AJ. There were some that was talking about when you were talking about the needs in marriage. And so what husbands need and what uh, wives need. You spoke specifically to the need of intimacy, right? Can you speak a little bit to that? Some people were asking questions. I would prefer not to. <laughs> so people were asking questions, is that a real need? And obviously I know you prefaced it all with, this is not a blanket statement right. for every single person. Right. But when we talk about needs and things in marriage, can you speak a little bit more to what you meant and what the Bible even speaks to about intimacy in marriage and that need yeah or maybe even also celibacy, because there was a question that I was touching on that one too.
1: yeah, so this is a super nuanced conversation that's going to be very difficult to answer generally in a large public sure. gathering so right. thank you first of all for <laughs> um, uh, and, <laughs> so I guess there's a couple thoughts I mean one, this is the, the again when I do pre- premarital prep with couples, I just go, um, my intimacy talk is is rooted in make sure this is something you guys can have conversations about. Make sure this is not a taboo subject. Make sure this is something that, that is open for you guys that you can grow in that, that it's, um, something you don't shy away from because that's going to be one of the healthiest things for you. So when the question is, is that really a need? I would say you need to ask your spouse, Mm. right? Sure. Um, I want to be sensitive to the environment. I, I know there's some kids coming in and out of here. So, um, so, that, so that's, a, that's a conversation I think that needs to happen at that level. Every person is different. Yeah. What I mentioned is based on the majorities, right? And so most ofs, but not everyone. Um, I think, you know, Paul talks about, I forget um, ch- chapter and verse, but he talks about um, that this is an area we ought not to deprive one another of right? Unless we're going to go away for prayer and consecrating ourselves, but then be sure to come back together for it. Um, and my other thought with this, um, again, is just, uh, there's so much more to this than you may or may not know. And so, you know, if, uh, if that ship, this is a really hard topic to discuss in sensitivity. So, uh, I'm doing my best here. Guys. Doing good. Uh, thanks Pastor Mark. Um, if, if the ship of celibacy has sailed for you, right, and you've had partners and that's, that's what, there's, there's, there's healing and there's restoration and there's hope. And I think you probably feel some of the sense of that was more than just a physical deed that happened. There was a more, there's a greater transaction that happened. And when it's, when it's consecrated and reserved and respected and holy in marriage, it does so much more than satisfy a physical desire. And so I just say it's it it's does so much more for the relationship than just like, oh, it's just a thing guys need, uh, you know, I just I'm telling you, it's just it's not that it's not that. Um, and I, you know, I tell premarital couples, I'm like you can't talk about it anymore until you're married and then come back and let's talk and you'll see what I mean. That it adds more to it, and then I think yes, yeah, some people are called celibacy, and that's uh, Paul certainly right was not married. Uh, we've you know Jesus was not married, and there's nothing wrong with that,
0: either. So yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, that's great. I don't know if you want to add you.
1: anything, guys. No,
0: yeah, I appreciate that. you referencing that. That Was great. Okay. I think I'm you glad have. you answered that. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> you answer. and not me. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Here's a pretty. Um, Interesting one, I says, it says, I've read a marriage is the pursuit of holiness, not happiness. First question, what is holiness? And then second question, does holiness require discipleship and accountability?
2: Well, you know, holiness is simply, it's, a, it's one of those $25 theological words, but it's just simply, you know, selflessness. It's loving someone, you know, the great commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. We could stop right there and we have all the theology we need. So holiness is offering up to God, whatever I do. Uh, Paul said that we don't just worship in church. The world becomes our sanctuary when whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. So if I love my spouse for the glory of God, or if I love my friend, or if I'm single for the glory of God, I am worshiping and I'm acting in a holy way. Amen. So, I mean, if, I, if I'm being selfish to somebody, if somebody's in line in front of me and I start complaining and I start, you know, shoving people, that's not holy. <laughs> and so we know what it looks like. It's selfishness versus selflessness and selflessness to the glory of God. That's great. And I just, again, I just, I think it's
1: a fair statement. It's for holiness, not happiness. And I would just say, like, I have a great deal of happiness in my marriage and I have a great deal of joy. And we make the most of every moment. And we have moments now where we just, where Michelle and I will be like, hey, just look at this moment we're in. This is the good old days. Like, I know we didn't sleep last night. I know, you know, there's all this mess. But cherish this. And so I just, I never, again, I don't want to be a fuddy-duddy when it comes to marriage and just be like, it's going to be a labor of pain and self-sacrifice and just deal with it, just die every day, like, until you actually die, right? <laughs> like, that's not... You know, like, I don't know. Some Christians, yeah. I feel like, give that, yeah. that picture. And that is a key part of it because that will, but that will produce the joy that's in your marriage. And it's the whole thing of you go like, you know, worship is a good example. Like, we have a great, beautiful moment. Thank you, uh, Miata and Darby, Darian and DJ for that. But you guys know it. it, it takes you a moment to get into worship right? You've got to maybe put some things out of your head. You've maybe got to not worry about who's around you, watching you. Like, maybe I'll close my eyes. Maybe I'll lift my hands. I don't know. But when you're in the moment of worship, it's great. But what you've done is you've disciplined yourself for the purposes of, of holiness or of righteousness. And then you experience this overwhelming joy and satisfaction. And I would say marriage is similar in that. When you've learned to die to yourself, to discipline yourself, you're not, you're not withering away, you're realizing fulfillment and joy because you're walking in your purpose in God's
0: will. Yeah,
3: it's, it's certainly not either or. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, yeah. i think, in like Mark was saying, happiness and holiness are really intertwined. I don't think you're going to be very happy if, like you said, if you're not if you're not being holy, if you're not being unselfish, and you're not being kind and and all of those things, or if you're just you're living for yourself. You're not going to be happy.
2: And, and th- we tend to think that, well, God wants us to keep these rules because he's just about rules. Mm-hmm. But the reality is in John 17, Jesus was praying to the Father in front of the disciples. And he said, Father, and he prayed these things. And he said, because I want them to be one with us. And I want them to come in. Basically, he was praying that we would come into the community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Come into the Trinity. We've been invited into the Father's house. He's going to bring us home as his bride, into his Father's house. And so the goal of selflessness or holiness or any, whatever term you want to describe it with is this, that we become like him. And in reality, he is the most joy-filled person being in the universe, he de- Jesus delighted to even go to the cross for, for God the Father. So it's not mutually exclusive. Happiness is part of selflessness. We were designed for selflessness, and when we, when we act selfless, we feel good. Because the quality of obeying God and experiencing Him it gives a, a much greater payoff than the selfishness that I wanted. You know, I, I if I lay down a football game for you know a child or whatever, you know, if I'm a father, and if I really do it as unto God, I will experience so much more. Maybe not, as, maybe in the short term and the long term than I would have in that that you know. It's a bad analogy, but anyway, uh, football yeah, game. Anyway,
0: no lightning round. Yeah, let's do it. Here's a question: Can you have kids before getting married?
2: a lot of people are doing. You
3: can. It. Physically?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's easy next.
1: Come from
2: somewhere. <laughs> Here's a question. How do you keep learning about your spouse? Oh, I should answer that more seriously. I'm sorry, but uh yeah, it it, it it would not it would be much better to have a home uh for those children. You know, very often a man and a woman c- come together. Uh the man wants intimacy or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive. Uh woman wants love. Maybe neither one of them want a baby. God, the father wants babies. And so, um, but it's so much better if we come together. I mean, when we had our first child, uh, we, you know, we prayed and we, you know, that Deb went on walks and took vitamins there was a welcome home for that baby, that's a lot better yeah. than you know doing things on the fly. Yeah,
1: there, there was a stat I didn't include in the message because um, again, I want to be sensitive to a large crowd that that could, you know, not everybody has two married parents in the household and, and I get that and there's grace for that. Um, but the studies show children with two married parents have 200 to 300% higher chance for positive life outcomes. And so if you just look at the impact of it, it's, it's unmistakable.
2: And the good news is we, the church, Grace Covenant Church Chantilly is here for, for those who didn't have, yeah, exactly. uh, thank you. And Mr. we can fix that. Exactly. Great. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Question. How does an unequally yoked relationship deal with finances, especially tithing?
1: Ho, ho, ho. You uh, email pastor at GraceCov.org, <laughs> And you request an appointment with uh, pastor Mark.
2: <laughs> Paul answers that question. And, uh, you know, when you are when you're married to someone who doesn't share your faith, um, then you have to negotiate that. And you cannot make that person live according to Christian ideals. You have to love them. You have to honor them. You have to do everything you can to be the best spouse that you can be. And Paul writes about this. You can read about this in his letters to the Corinthians. And, and the goal is to hopefully win them. You might win them, uh, a husband or wife, but you can't make them live uh, according to your. So, if you have an income or if you have uh, something, you can tithe, but you can't force them to. That's
0: good. Yeah. Is there such thing as a perfect marriage?
2: I've got one. So yes. Can't answer. Love you, Michelle. <laughs> Probably not. Per- There's no perfect people. Right. Uh, uh, I think Shantae Feldhahn writes about highly successful uh, or ha- highly happy marriages, and uh, but you can definitely have those. And let me tell you, you can come out of less than perfect situations. And I was probably one of the top ten uh, least prepared men for marriage. You know, Deb and I were together for a little while, and one day she looks at me. She says, "You're like a machine." That you know, she was just saying, "You're, you're." You know, we're, there was no emotion. You know, I wanted to stand up and eat. You know, she said we want to sit down at a table. And I thought, why do we want to do that? Yeah. I, I want you to sit that's with that's our children. Right,
0: <laughs>
3: exactly. That's He's efficient. That uncommon,
0: that's he Here's one that's um, as a young adult with parents. Uh, with a long struggling marriage who use me to vent about their marriage issues, what should I do? Say that again. <laughs> As a young adult with parents with a long struggling marriage who use me to vent about their marriage, what should I do?
3: Well, I would say respectfully. Um, I, I think to res- you could uh, respectfully ask them or whichever one it is to just not do that i mean you could say it makes me uncomfortable i love you all i'm part of you and you know i can't solve this yeah and i i'm just i'm loving you i'm praying for you but i'm just not the one to talk to about it and if they keep doing it then I mean, you know, you have to be respectful always. Yeah. So, you yeah. just But you to,
2: don't have to feel guilty no, and right. torn. Uh, there's a really good book called, uh, sorry, sweetheart, um, uh, Boundaries, Dr. Henry Cloud and uh, another author. And um, just learn learn the boundaries. boundaries. And, and it's tough when you've grown up in in a family where those boundaries have been crossed for a variety of reasons. You have to learn that the father sets boundaries for your safety and benefit. And if parents haven't done that, you have to forgive them. You have to be healed. And then you begin begin to trust the Father that he will guard you and he will watch over you. Yeah.
1: I think one of the hardest things for young adults um, coming into your 20s and 30s to realize is that your parents are humans and sinners and to have problems just like you do. And you get thrown into that, and some of you are thrown into that, and now you're caught in the middle, and you're like so disoriented. The reality is it's all of that, and the reality is, it's it's just it's not appropriate for a parent to use a child as a as a tool or an outlet or a resource for their frustrations in in, in their marriage so i just want to say that to echo there shouldn't be a sense of guilt or shame of going like well i, I want to help it's not the child's job to help but it is the child's job to set the example first timothy 4:12 4, 4, don't let anyone despise you for your youth but set the example in love purity speech and conduct and so you can do that As Miss Debbie was saying, you, you, you can set an example. Yeah,
0: There's, um, a few that just talk about the topic of remarrying and divorce. Some that, uh, specifically ask, is it okay to remarry? What if I have already remarried? Um, is it ever biblically okay to seek a divorce? Could you guys speak to that?
2: Well, there is an unpardonable sin and it's not divorce. And that's important to understand and Christians are really all over the map about this, but, uh, because they look at only the passages from Jesus in the gospels and yet there are other passages. And we remember the entire scripture is written by the Holy spirit and they're not, there's not a passage against passage. So Paul, um, talks about, you know, now some people walk through bad, uh, they break up and they have a bad divorce. Um, and God wants them to learn to honor marriage. So when they come into the church, one of the things we try to do is teach them about the importance of marriage and how to honor it and make sure that they are, they've gotten that reset uh, so that they can honor marriage. Uh, and, but that, so that's the key is for if I've gone through something in my past, can I be married again? yes but I want to do it right this time. I want to get fixed, and I want to do it well, and I want to do it according to uh, Scripture. You know, um, I, I I won't go any further on that, but um, the, the Scriptures are very balanced on this if you look at all of the passages on it.
1: Yeah, I think 40% of
2: all marriages in the church and out are blended, which would
1: mean second marriage, either for a loss of a spouse or a divorce or something like that. Um, And that's just the reality of the world we live in, right? So that's just truth. So, like, we have a class. When we found that out, Michelle and I, we made a class, Blending Families. Pastor Sean Clemens has taught that with his wife for a while. They're a blended family, right? Um, And so there's absolute, like, I have such a heart for those couples and those families who walk through that and navigate that. Because I think the only voice they hear is shame, guilt, and condemnation. And, again, just that's not the voice of God. That's never been the voice of God, one that speaks shame over you or rejection for that. And it should not be the voice of the church either. And so I go to great lengths to keep saying that. That's not our vo- – now, what are, we have to hold up a high ideal of marriage. We were obligated to stand before God and account for the scriptures, and yet we live in a very real world. And so, um, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. we, we I'm sorry.
1: Well, just if we want to get super specific, the Bible, I think, says if you're married to an unbelieving spouse and the unbelieving spouse wants to leave the marriage, Paul says, let them go. And I think um, it speaks to infidelity in the marriage is, uh, you know, grounds for divorce. But we would, again, just go like there's steps before that we would, you know, counsel people to take um, in terms of redemption, forgiveness, restoration, healing. You know, those things happen. Infidelity doesn't just randomly one day happen right? Like, oops, I just stumbled into like this. There's, a, there's, a, there's patterns that come before that. And those patterns need to be healed and addressed. If that person is willing to go back through some personal trauma, addictions, and all of that, then there's real hope for your marriage to be restored and to walk faithfully. If that person is unwilling to even identify, acknowledge, Personal brokenness, trauma, and whatever it becomes a different conversation that 's much harder to have, but there 's other things to, to to know about
2: that before, just like and it's po- not on me we 're done it 's important to understand that um, the church is a redemption center, and so we 're always going to uh, go to redemption first, and uh, you want to if you can fix a marriage it, you want to fix it if at all possible, if both parties are willing to work. And, uh, but if you come in and you've come out of the, what you believe to be the worst mess, uh, ever, and maybe you feel like you were the one that initiated it, maybe since you've come to Christ, you realize, and you see, you view things differently than you did. We're a redemption center yeah. and, uh, God does not leave you where you were. And, uh, the sky's the limit as to where you can go, but you've got to learn how to believe the gospel, forgive yourself. And that's the, usually the hardest part. But forgive yourself in Christ so that you say, you know, there's this shield of faith that comes up and says, I'm not going to go there anymore. I believe I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm washed. I'm cleansed. Amen. Yeah. And even if you ha- had been a Christian, a, a mm-hmm. professing Christian, there is redemption for everything except the unpardonable sin. And that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's a whole different teaching there. And you wouldn't be sitting here if you had committed that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just have one or two more questions. And there are some in here that are dealing um, and uh, addressing dating and characteristics you should look for in a spouse and things like that. And we will be having a conversation um, on dating in the coming weeks. So we'll save those. And if those questions weren't answered tonight, they will be answered in a future uh, conversation. One um, was... What are some indications that your career is interfering with your marriage? What are some ways to get back on track if a career or a job is taking that priority? Ask your spouse. Do you think my job is interfering with our marriage? And
1: then you'll know, right? I mean, just, just base level. Don't overcomplicate it, people. Like, don't overthink it. Um, I would look to the quality of your time together. Do you have time together? Um, what does that time together look like? Do you have a date night? Are you on your email during date night? Like, you know, I just, I think there's some very, Mm I, um, I want to be sensitive because I think there's real, there's a reason somebody asked this question the way that they asked it. I think there are some obvious indicators of that. And I think, um, if you're asking on behalf of your spouse, that's probably a conversation you need to express some concerns where you feel using, I feel statements. I feel like this is happening. And this is the effect that it's having on me and allow them to respond. If you're asking for yourself, I think you probably know the answer. That's why you asked. This might be creeping in and I would have come into you boundaries by Henry cloud. And you know, like this is for me, um, in our, in our house, you know, Michelle has been good. This is a learned behavior for us. She will ask me, uh, when do you think you'll be done with work for today? Right. And it's not like, is it now? Is it now? Just manage my expectations, right? And if she in her mind is going like, oh, he'll be, he'll be, you know, done by four because, you know, just it's Tuesday or something and he'll be home. And then I'm not because, oh, I had a meeting and then I got a phone call. So I was sitting in the car and da, 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 da. Well, no expectation has been sent. Frustration is bred. And the, and, the, and the reason it's there is we did not communicate it. And so a conversation around that, hey, can we, when we have dinner, can we put our cell phones in the drawer and can we just not do phones at this, at these times, right? If you need to work again at night, I got it. Could you wait till after the kids go down? Could you, or what, whenever there's conversations that can be had.
0: Great. Just, uh, two more. One that I think, um, is important where there is infidelity, addiction, or abuse. How do you continue to give your spouse what they need when you have been traumatized by them?
1: Yeah, that's a very painful and challenging question. Um, I don't think it's able to be answered in this format sufficiently. Mm. I do think that's a great... and I don't say this as a joke, but there's a great question to request a meeting with the pastor to sit down and to Mm. unpack that. And I think probably beyond that, that's a great conversation to have with, with a therapist and to unpack that. There's real emotional pain and trauma from that. There's no glossing over that. And there's no... You know, you're, you're not going to hear me say you suck it up and do it because you've committed yourself. No, that's not. You're not going to hear that. Um, but that is a nuanced weeks, months, years long healing process that both parties need to go through and you need to go through. And I would just say um, we've got some resources and some counseling groups and programs that uh, we could commend to you. And you could email again pastor at and request those. You can email me directly um, and
0: get those as well. Great, great. Um, here's a simple one. Do you think... Maybe not as simple. Do you believe... A married, Please, a simple one. <laughs> do you believe a married man can have close female friends? <laughs> they can?
1: Should they?
3: I mean, this comes up more than you'd think. So it's it's a tough one. I think that it... do. De- Well, I'm not even
2: going to try to answer that one. On second thought, (laughs) we'll move past this. I guess it's over to you. (laughs) I can be kind of tough on guys on this one. Um, When one of the classic marriage vows is, and forsaking all others. Have you ever felt forsaken? That's a rough feeling. And sometimes I've had to look guys in the eye and say, that old girlfriend of yours needs to feel forsaken. Do you hear what I'm saying? Forsaken. And you're not the one that gets to decide that. Your wife is the one that gets to decide that. So if you're provoking your wife to concern and questions... Unless she is, you know, nothing's happening, you know, I haven't talked to that girl in 10 years and never had, a, you know, no emails, nothing, you know. Well, then that's paranoia on somebody's part, but a lot of times that's not the case. You have a, a godly woman who's saying, eh, I found an email, you know, or whatever. So um, we, need to, uh, we need to be careful, and uh, from, the, from the beginning of this church, uh, we never pastored, we never had cross-gender uh, counseling alone. Uh, we would always, I was, uh, if I was going to counsel a lady, Debbie would be with me. Zoom now we can kind of do that, but that should even be temporary. And, um, so we were very careful with male, female relationships. It's just a reality you have to be careful with. There
1: is, there is no other woman I'm ever putting ahead of my spouse. Right. And I know you understand that until Michelle says, can you not do that with him? And then you have a choice to make. My, uh, my boss at my last job was a woman. She was a partner. She was married. She had two kids. I was married. I had kids. She's a friend of mine. We worked together. After I left that job, just like you do, oh, we should get breakfast sometime. So we set up a breakfast. Um, and I would get breakfast and coffee with her when I worked for her. It's not a big deal. Now I don't work for her. And I set up a breakfast. And Michelle is just—I just—I'm not—I com- just don't feel comfortable. I'm like, oh no, I've worked, you know, you know her. I've worked with her for five years. Like we get along all the time. It's not a thing. Don't worry about it. She's like, I know. I'm just not comfortable. I have a choice. Right. Who am I choosing in that moment? Because as soon as I start defending my boss, I'm choosing her over my wife. And so I'm never going to do that. And so even if you don't agree with it, even if you have all the justification and all the things, my wife must at all costs feel, feel cherished, beloved, and singular in my affection. Mm. Yeah. And so I will always choose her, even if it's like, there's, there's not even a thing in the world, like you couldn't be further from, if she's not comfortable, it's not even a conversation. And I've, you know, you just have to die to that, and that's okay. And if you are just so committed, you've had female friends your whole life, blah blah blah. There just has to be a lot of wisdom, and there absolutely has to be just full transparency. There shouldn't be a text, email, phone call that you are not willing to show your wife the whole thing. That just shouldn't be. You know what I mean? And if you're not, you've chosen that person over her,
0: and that's the message you send. Yeah, yeah. If I could close with a question. Um we talked about earlier if there was a marriage and then if you give it five years, then you probably become happier, right? How, when you get to that point where you're unhappy, how do you make it another five years? Like what's the key to, I'm not happy right now. I'm not, I don't feel like I can make it another five years or I don't want to make it another five years. Is there an admission to make it another five years? Do we want to keep on going? Is there a key to keep on going when you don't feel like keep on going?
3: Well, i'll I'll just say uh, one little thing about that, and that is that it depends on what it is if it's if there isn't a deal breaker thing going on you're just not happy or perhaps either the man either the husband to the wife or the wife to the husband, either way, if you see some things in them that you really know need to change, but it's not a morality thing or something, I think the best thing to do is really cry out to God and believe him and trust him and then just let the Lord guide the next move. If something is going to happen to the marriage that becomes inevitable, um, you've got the right attitude and you've got, we've got to trust God first. We've got to believe God like we do for anything else. In fact, it's extremely important that you believe God for your spouse. It's extremely important because you're going to have the enemy always whispering to you about them. So you need to, if you're in a young marriage, you need to learn to recognize that quickly and don't don't buy it, don't listen to it.
2: I think you know we have an incentive, um, which is to honor God. Uh, We—that's what we live for. We want to serve the Lord. We want to honor Him. And uh, uh, marriage is very difficult. It may—I don't know if it's more difficult for us men. We're not as good at it. I know that from day one. But uh, Debbie said to me about uh, ten years ago now, maybe maybe longer. I don't want to grow old with a crotchety old man. (laughs) Now you can tell there's a context for that statement. I was apparently. exhibiting pre-old-man crotchety behavior. (laughs) And she could look forward into the future. But it wasn't a threat. It wasn't, if you don't stop that, I'm not going to be here. One day you'll come home and I'll be gone. You know, Deb, uh, you know, she never put divorce on the table. Murder was a possibility. (laughs) Yeah, that was always, that was, I knew if I really did something bad, she wasn't going to divorce me, but I probably wouldn't live through it. A a burial uh, rather than a divorce. Oh, he died. Yeah. (laughs) Under mysterious circumstances. This is when we know it's getting too late for Pastor Mark. (laughs) Right. I'm starting (laughs) to do stand-up now. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to close. A man walks into a psychiatrist's office. So anyway. Uh, no. I have, so, anyway, I, you, it's our our incentive, <laughs> our incentive is. Can I join you guys? You know, from now on, can it be? Like, can it be, itself? Only yeah, it's, if yeah, you too.
0: do the holy hop.
2: I have uh, not the whole, forgot the holy hop. Uh,
0: but keep on going, please.
2: Yeah. Um, so uh, I think it's that's. Our, we have an incentive to grow? And uh, if you have a good spouse, and by that I mean a Christian spouse who is walking by faith. You get challenged. And there have been times I've really challenged Debbie, but a lot more I think that she challenged me. And, you know, I think uh, about eight or nine years ago, we had, she wanted to meet me at a Starbucks. That was a warning sign right there. And she says to me, I'm so frustrated I could scream. And she was almost about to pound the table. And she says, I don't think you're open to doing God's will for the, our future. I don't think you're open to re-establishing a relationship with you, with this group in this church and walking with the men that you used to walk with. And I went, you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just ready to fight. I was ready to say none. And I got that far and the Holy Spirit cleared his throat. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what keeps you going is having, if you have have two spouses that are both committed to Jesus Christ, then it's like an atom. Uh, You keep, you're revolving and there's that force that wants to throw you away, but then that force that draws you back and then you grow. Yeah. That's great. If you guys could give one piece
0: of advice to married couples as we leave, just like, guys, if you do one thing, if you heard one thing, take away yeah. married couples, what would you guys get to tell them? Somebody asked the question spiritually and physically, like what's one thing I can grow in. And so if you could add spiritually or physically, one way that you can support and live out what it means to have a healthy marriage. What would you tell married people today?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think spiritually you need to be a disciple and you need to marry a disciple and you need to grow in your faith. You need to prioritize your faith. Like we are going to say it for the rest of our lives, I think, but the source must come from God. You cannot do this in your own strength and you don't want to, because your strength is terrible and it's moody and it's temperamental and it's short and it's all of that. But When you are under the lordship of Christ and your spouse is, you will be fine.
0: And physically, anything? Have fun.
1: Enjoy each other. Don't get caught up in the little things. You know what I mean? Like, at least for me, that's been our story. Just always trying to look to the joy of marriage and not get bogged down in the weight of the world, right? I just, again, with premarital couples, I just go like, you... (laughs) You get to have a best friend for life who has your back, who gets to do everything with you, who loves you, who wants good for you, who cares about you, wants to support you. Like, do you understand what you're getting? This is the best gift you could get. Enjoy that, cherish that, be that for them, and don't ever take that for granted because not everybody has someone that has their back all the time. And you are committing covenantly before God, I will always have your back and I will always be there for you. What is better than that? That's
3: great. That's yeah. awesome. You go first. I, I just want to say one thing, and I actually had written something down. Fruitfulness follows faithfulness. So just as you have to do in other areas of your life, if it's in motherhood or fatherhood or in your job, in uh, your whatever it is, don't be too emotional. Just do what you know to do, and do it in faith and. God will bless it, Amen. and fruit will come. Very good. So sometimes when I haven't known what to do as a mother or as a wife, I just get up in the morning and do what I know to do. Yeah. And, of course, the first thing is to believe, say, God, I'm not going to try harder. I'm believing you're going to do this, and you're going to give me the grace.
2: I think spiritually um, praying out loud together, mm-hmm. especially when you're having an argument. You know, we... Yeah. Well, when you finish your argument, yeah. After the fight, <laughs> Lord, this woman <laughs>
3: once, deliver me, Jesus. <laughs> once the screaming stops, right?
2: Um, yes, uh, when the crescendo, you know, it starts kind of getting quiet. And the well, always we prayed, and uh, we would sit down, and I would pray first because I'm the man. Come on, say it again. And the man. And so... Uh, Is that important? Uh, it's very important uh, because you're, you're supposed to be the leader. And so I would pray first. And um, so <laughs> you, it's hard to lie to God. That's why it's very important to pray. Because you open your mouth and say, well, Father, I just worship you. I give you praise. I, and I, Lord, and, and, I, and I ask you to forgive me for yelling at Debbie... And I ask you to forgive me for being selfish, for causing this whole thing, and for being who I am. Will you forgive me? You know, so that's a good, that's that's excellent. That's great. Um, yeah. And also, the name of the message there, it's you, it's me, it's not you. Uh, when I used to counsel, I would say, would you all agree that you will only work on your role and not the other person's? Yes, very good. That you will, you will be the best husband you can be, regardless of what's happening on the other side. And then as far as physical... Uh, you know, it's just so simple. We we start making it very complicated, but God just wants us to love one another. He 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 created intimacy. He created it, and um, so that's part of marriage. And, and the Apostle Paul, who wasn't married at least at that time, said, "Do not deprive one another," and so um, and just love one another, be kind to one another. So. Yeah. And I asked, I actually asked
1: Michelle before I came tonight, like, Hey, do you, would you want to say like, what's one thing that you might want to say to the church? And just immediately she was like, just, just don't be a jerk. And like, she was kidding and we laughed about it. But there's something about like, we have three rules for our kids in our house. Just three rules. Be kind, honor one another and listen and obey. And most things fall under be kind. And I think in marriage, it's similar.
2: Yeah. Be kind to one another. Be gentle to one another, love one another. Can I say one other thing? As, you know, P- Peter, I think it's Peter who says uh, to husbands, uh, "To be kind to your wife, or uh, because your prayers will be hindered." Yeah, exactly. And I remember once, I know I can see the room, I sat down to pray, and I started praying, and I realized I was completely alone. The Lord was not there. My prayer would kind of get about three feet up in the air, not even to the ceiling. It would fall. And I would try to throw it back up there. And I said, okay, Lord, what's wrong here? And immediately the scene that had preceded my prayer, which was me being harsh with Debbie, came to my mind. So I started rebuking the devil. And uh, because, you know, you had to be demonic, right? (laughs) And um, no, I said, I, I said, and that scripture came to my mind. And I thought, oh, my, busted. You know, I'm busted. So I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, it's complicated, right? Well, go apologize, you know. <laughs> so, that's, give me, me a word, you. Lord. Said,
3: I didn't <laughs> talk to you that way.
2: Well, we don't want to go into depth here. <laughs> and on that, note, <laughs> on that note, that's where our night we're, is. We're into that pre-crotchety old man yeah, territory
0: yeah. right there. Yeah. We're getting close. Yeah, Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing. Can we give it up for these couples real quick? Love you. I know we didn't have an opportunity to answer every single question. Um, if you Seriously, we did joke about it, but if you have any questions about meeting with a pastor, we highly encourage you yeah. to do that. Email um, and uh, what's the email? What's the best Pastor one? Pastor at Grace. Pastor Cove. at GraceCove dot org, um, and set up. Because I know we didn't answer every question, but hopefully we answered some of your questions. Thank you guys so much for coming here tonight.